Firstly, I'd like to apologise for taking so long to um, get another podcast episode out. First guest back after this long break is Dan England, season three Australian Idol, 2005, and he was fourth place finalist. Should have been third, I reckon, but we'll get to that in the podcast. So again, welcome back. Hope you enjoy this episode, this one, Dan England. Dan, man, how are you? It's been a while. Yeah, good. Long time to sleep. Mate, I reckon the last time was good old Ballarat. Yeah, must have been. And you were sitting on my back porch with Kachina. Yep, yep. Sounds you about must, right. <laughs> must, have been, must have been rehearsing for some gig the night after or something. I'm not sure. Or was that the yeah, Ballarat I think, gig? Um, yeah, it would have been me and Steve playing uh, somewhere down there for sure. I was spending a lot of time uh, down in Geelong with uh, Kachina and Stangel at the time doing recording and bits and pieces. So. Yeah. Talk me through the whole thing. So that came about after Australian Idol. Yeah. So Idol was 2005. Um, and uh, then I think I did a, a tour, a national tour with Shannon Noel and uh, met Mike Stangel and Dave Nicholas while I was on that tour. Um, I had a few sort of um, labels approach me and, and they were the ones that I went with uh, just because, you know, I like the credentials and, Dave was great to work with and Stangers and me just got along like a house on fire straight away. So, uh, yeah, it was good. So I ended up going with Jellyfish. I don't think there's too many people that come across Mick and don't like him. Yeah, yeah. He's a <laughs> very likable guy unless you get on his wrong side, I think. <laughs> <laughs> He'd laugh. Um, yeah, so you sort of worked with a lot of people that I was pretty friendly with. Obviously, Mick and um, Steve Kachina. Mm-hmm. and the late, great Wayne Kilbourne. Yeah, yeah, Wayne actually played, uh, he played drums on a couple of the tracks of my first album uh, and uh, also wrote one of the songs, What Have I Become? It was actually a, a really beautiful song, and uh, when I heard it, it just had such, um, uh, it, it was it was a guitar piece written by a drummer, you know, so it was really strange chords, and um, but it just, it worked really well. Uh, he had a had a good ear, had a had a good take yeah. on things, and the stuff that he wrote, his original stuff, was always amazing. Yeah, it's lovely. Um, his daughter Daisy now is doing some really cool stuff with Mick. Yeah, I've seen uh, some bits and pieces. She's doing awesome. Yeah, great voice. Yeah. <clears throat> Did he have anything to do with the with the artwork of your album? Did I? Um, we actually got a a photographer in. Uh, we actually we had a, a camera crew in uh, to record uh, Reason to Fly, my first single, mm-hmm. um, and we had a photographer in the same day. So uh, I think so. Most of the the like artwork for the album was was uh, sort of photos from in the studio and around that as a kind of set. Um, but uh, I'm not sure Wayne might have had uh, things of putting it together as the whole. I reckon he did something package. for Mick with that hot because Mick would have been in charge of that too, wouldn't he? Yeah, yeah. Mick likes to keep everything in in house as well. I reckon he did some photoshopping <laughs> or something for the cover. I'm not not entirely yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sounds about right. Man, so how's all this fucking COVID shit going for you? you <laughs> not too it? bad, mate. Um, 
yeah, you know, aside from losing all the gigs in the snap of a finger. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's look, it's all right. I, you know, I at least had some money put away and stuff like that, so I could yeah, survive good. for a bit before, uh, before getting on the uh, the old dole for the first time in my life. So, <laughs> which <laughs> is a, a new experience. But um, we're lucky to live in a country that supports us when we're in trouble. It, it seems as though they're they're um, supporting a lot of us pretty well. I mean, I haven't had to worry about the dole because, I mean, I got made redundant, but I had yeah. um, a pretty sizable sort of long service leave payout, so that's sort of yeah, um, nice. still kicking along. But yeah, it's yeah. Uh, strange times for everyone. Are you missing? Uh, the, a, you must be missing the gigs. Oh, definitely, mate. Um, I've been doing a couple of uh, like live event uh, gigs on Facebook and stuff like that where um, a friend of mine or the, who was my drummer in the, in the Thieves when I was doing that uh, tour of Michael Graham or Mops, he, um, yeah, he so has been creating uh, private groups on Facebook and um, we're charging a $10 minimum per device. Uh, and so, yeah, so once you sort of send that out and uh, if people want to tune in to the gig, they uh, pay their like their their ten bucks and then get added to the private group and then I uh, do the show for for the group. Yeah. You want to um, send me a link to all that um, after this and I'll put it in the show notes. Um, yeah, sure, mate. But look, to be honest, by the time I get around to editing this, because <laughs> I'm pretty yeah, fucking we'll slow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably be, it won't, it'll be a moot point. But anyway, do it anyway. And yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll just started up. having a couple of bookings coming in uh, in the last couple of days. So um, Queensland are a little bit in front for um, relaxation of the restrictions. Well, yeah, like the the bookings that I've had are like in July, so they're still a little while away. But um, my agency contacted me yesterday and just sort of said uh, that a couple of the venues are are starting to go forward with it. So we've got pubs and clubs open at the moment, but only for ten patrons, and uh, a lot of the venues. Well, I think it's ten people, including staff. So you know, by the time you have a, a chef and a manager and a bar person on, you can only have seven people in there and it's just not worth it for the venues to open it. It costs them more than having people in there. Not cost effective at all. It'd be a nice little intimate gig though, wouldn't it? Oh, it certainly would, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you get those nights even before lockdowns. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. One person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've played gigs where the, the band's more people there in the band than there is the, the punters. Good, re- yeah. good rehearsal time anyway. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, paid practice. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you want to go back a bit? I mean, everyone's probably familiar with you um, from Australian Idol, but um, mm-hmm. just for posterity, if you haven't talked about it enough already. Well, um, <laughs> well good, mate. Uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, well, I was playing around uh, Brisbane with my band at the time. Um, and uh, the boys from the band just kind of said, go and have a crack at this thing and, and see what happens because it was only only two years old, so um, it was still fairly new. Yep. And uh, so people had been lining up for, for two days and stuff like that. I had worked a night shift the night before at a servo and, <laughs> and so I rocked up at about midday and the line completely died down, so I walked straight through and sort of waited around with the crowd for a bit and uh, did my audition and, and yeah, so... The audition process for Idol is a bit different to what you see on TV. So you've got um, uh, an audition first for vocal coaches, uh, then an audition for the executive producers of the show, uh, and then you actually go through to the TV audition. 
I kind of think you, you make it through whether you're, um, you know, if you're in the top echelon of good or the, the bottom echelon of terrible. Take the, the best and the worst, don't they, just for the ratings? Yeah, yeah pretty much. <laughs> well, at the end of the day, they are making a TV show, so yeah. it's about, you know, being entertaining. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so got through that and off to then Sydney to do the, the top sort of uh, top 30 auditions and made it into the top 12 and got all the way to fourth. So it was a yeah. pretty bizarre experience, but um, it was great. Right. You know? Let, let's talk about that fourth position. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call it um, Daylight Savings Gate. Yeah, <laughs> it was a bit that way at the time, yeah. Because between you and Lee Harding, there was like 27 votes? Yeah, 27 votes, I think. And he uh, he had an, an hour extra of uh, there you voting. Go. So, yeah. yeah, Lee's great and all, but come on, you would have won. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, it was a funny one. You know, like even um, the Queensland Premier, Peter Beattie, took it to, to National Parliament to try and get me reinstated into the show. <laughs> Um, I think it was more to serve his agenda because he hated daylight savings and was avidly against it. So uh, it was just another excuse for him to to bring it up in Parliament, I think. Yeah, but for Queensland, it doesn't make much sense, daylight savings, I don't reckon. No, no, it's already, you know, during summer, it's already light till 7.30, o'clock. We don't need the extra hour. No, no, you don't. So, yeah, after um, fourth position, you did the album soon after that? A little bit. I, uh, I got offered a contract from Sony BMG. Um, and on advice from my solicitor, I, I turned that one down because uh, he called it what he liked to call it a Swiss cheese contract because it was so full of holes. Um, and so essentially they had an option over you for, I think, the first four months after Idol uh, where no one else can touch you except for Sony BMG. So you sort of uh, are left in this little bit of limbo if you don't sign with them. Um, but luckily, because I was already a working muso, I could start going on tour with artists and uh, playing shows and stuff. So I started playing shows around Sydney, Melbourne, uh, and then got the tour with Shannon Noel. So um, the management crew I was with, Caplice Management at the time, uh, had Shannon on their books as well. And um, we'd previously met at a Channel 10 do. And uh, so from there, we, we had a few drinks and got along and said, hey, we should probably do some shows together. And next thing I knew, I was invited on the tour. So He was the first idol, wasn't he? First? Uh, yeah, first season. First year? Yeah. Second yeah. In, the in the first run. Yeah, yeah. And then second season was um, Anthony Clear and Casey Donovan. Ah, uh -huh. yep. And then uh, third, third season in was us, was yeah, yep. my group. Yep. Um, and I reckon from memory, you were the first one on stage with a guitar. Am I right? No, actually, my year was the last year you weren't allowed to use instruments. Um, so I I spoke with the the head executive producer Greg Vaness, uh, not um, long sort of after the show, uh, and he said, you know, look, uh, we really felt bad that you couldn't have your interest in, instrument on there because I'd I'd never done a show without a guitar. It was um it was really weird to just be sort of singing with a microphone. You know, and I sort of, what do I do with my left hand? It's, can't <laughs> can't hide behind anything either. You sort of yeah, exactly. So, um, but uh, he said uh, we've we've had the idea to because of yourself and another guy that was on my year as well, Dan Spillane, who was also quite good on the guitar. Um, he said, you know, look, we've had the idea to start letting instruments in, and I said, yeah, perfect. I just wish you'd done it a year earlier. So, good experience all up though, like all, all oh, definitely considering the contract, yeah. or whatever. And yeah, that's it. Like, it was great, man. It's it's an awesome way to, you know, get yourself a foot into the industry. You know, essentially, it's um, I, as I said, was already a working musician before I went in there. 
So uh, as soon as the show was done, I was ready to go out and sort of you know capitalize on that publicity. Yeah, I suppose um, because you know back in the day when we only had the what uh, channel seven, nine, ten, ABC and SBS to choose from, you didn't have mm. all these offshoots that we've got at the moment. It's fucking incredible, isn't it? Yeah, we were getting a massive uh, audience, and yeah. so you know, as I've said, it, it made sense to sort of try and capitalize on that straight away and, and get out there and start working. And it'd have to be even less now, wouldn't it, with all the like the streaming services and you know, Netflix, oh, exactly. Amazon Prime, and like free to air TV has to has to have I taken think, a yeah, hit. I think that's why um, you know shows like The Voice and uh, things that are still going now. Yeah, I think it's a bit harder for those artists to to sort of get out and make it because you know, we were getting sort of on average around 2 million viewers a night. And I think those guys are looking at about 300,000, yeah. um, you know, which is a, a massive difference Yeah. Uh, when it's, you know, when it's sort of, and it's, you know, it's a niche part of the market. It's um, so when you're sort of cutting that down and then you get your percentage of people who actually want to buy stuff and see shows, mm. you know, and it's, and of course the audience is split up too between who they like on the show. So not everyone's there to tune in for yourself, you know, so it really, um, makes it difficult for the guys but i think that's um why we don't see massive success coming out of that show like we did with guy and you know ricky lee and uh jess mowboy and that sort of stuff the people who really took off from idol it's probably so i guess the first four years of it it was gangbusters wasn't it and then by the end it had run its course and um you know that's why they sort of pulled the plug on it yeah i think but um but there's all there's all other shows that have popped up in between like like you said, the voice and all the others. Yeah, Australia's got talent and all that sort of stuff as well, which um, yeah. makes yeah. it a bit more diverse. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's as I said, for me, it was a great experience, and I, um, I, I really, to be honest, hadn't seen the show before I went on it much. Obviously, I'd heard bits and pieces just from you know being on on TV and stuff. Here's a story. It was only because my brother said, "Do you watch this Australian Idol?" I'm like, "No, nah, not into it." And he goes, oh, there's this guy with dreadlocks on it. He's really fucking cool. I'm like, oh, check that out. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's amazing how much I got that um, from around the place, you know, that people sort of said I'd never never watched it until you were on the show. Yeah, and, yeah. Yep. You, know, you, you brought a sort of, uh, uh, I guess, a, a genuineness to it. You know, I once again, I wasn't a shower singer. I wasn't the the pretty face. I was there as a muso, you know. And, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Probably that honesty show showed through well yeah hopefully <laughs> yep yep dreadlocks are gone though man yeah they've been gone for quite a few years, years now man. it's um you ever miss them i had them all up for 15 years man so um so i definitely don't miss them <laughs> that was that was long enough <laughs> I, uh, oh you don't miss that smell dan no nah, no nah, well I, I always kept them clean <laughs> yeah. but um but the thing is is uh, living in queensland especially every single summer i'll be like nah that's it I'm cutting yeah. these bloody things off. It's way too hot. And then you'd survive the summer and go, oh, I'll give it, you know, give it a bit longer. And yeah, it just got to the point where that was just ridiculous. And then you took up the um, jujitsu and probably not a good thing for long dreadlocked hairs. Not ideal. I still had the dreads when I started doing that. And, uh, which, yeah, definitely sort of got in the way because yeah. you know, they, <laughs> they were down in my ass. So you'd yeah. sit on the things and roll on top of them. And yeah, so... <laughs> wasn't uh, wasn't very conducive to it <laughs> no, not at all so what are you besides not gigging are you writing much at the moment are you uh yeah doing... bits and pieces as i said been doing a bit of the live stuff 
um, and putting a couple of tracks just up on on Facebook and things. Um, I've just bought a just before lockdowns or this whole virus thing started. My partner and I uh, bought a, a newborn puppy, so uh, we sort of picked her up about a month ago now. So I've been she's paying been attention. Pretty... She's she's got the same name as our little puppy, so that's what piqued oh, nice. my interest. <laughs> similar. Ours is a cavoodle, but yours is a. Ah, uh, she's Shih Tzu Maltese, yeah. Shih Tzu Maltese, so cute. Yeah, little ball, little ball of fluff, but um, yeah, yeah. yeah, she's she's full on when she's awake. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> they're a lot of work. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So that's been keeping me fairly busy through lockdown, at least, um, because you know she's still before her last vaccinations and stuff now, so we can't take her out for walks. So it's pretty much us having to entertain her inside. So luckily, my mum bought uh, one of her sisters out of the litter. So, um, oh, that's cool. They can, they can at least socialize together, and yeah, stuff, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, but yeah. On the, on the recording front, I, um, I'm uh, actually got a project coming up, uh, with uh, Ty Noonan from George, who, um, we've done a bit of work together. He actually, I think, was my first album we co wrote a song together, um, called Feel, yeah. So, and he's he's up Brisbane way, so we're just sort of waiting for the, the distance restrictions to be lifted. So I can get down to his studio and uh, we can go through some ideas. So, can you not get there now? Are you still? Uh, I think it's it's been lifted to about fifty k's. We can go from our from our home, um, and so yeah, he's Brisbane's about a hundred k's from from where I am. So, uh, I think in the next couple of weeks it should be uh, should be eased. Right, so. And you'll be missing um, missing the Mount Isa gigs. You do that a fair bit too, don't you? Yeah, definitely. Well, they're, look, they're a great, great crew out there. You, you actually get, you know, a good crew of people coming out to the pub uh, from all over the place. You know, Mount Isa and the, the surrounding towns, uh, because like they're just, I guess, starved for for music out there. So, um, my bookers Pushworth book quite a few bands out there, um, but uh, you know, I've been I've been going out there for well, it must be fifteen years now. So you know, I've I've built up a pretty good rapport with the locals, and and uh, they always come out and have a great time at the show. So it's it's a real good old school pub, you know. It's a well, I bet the way it used to be. Yeah, yeah. and it's just you and your drummer Shannon, isn't it? Uh, well, it depends. So I just go out solo to to Isa. Okay. Um, yep. but yeah, so for lots of the gigs, I'll do um, you know, duo trio, uh, depending on what the venue wants. Pretty much so um yeah so me and shannon will get out and do duos if they can have a drum kit because a lot of venues nowadays are under the whole sound restriction thing so yeah it's fucked yeah it makes it very difficult for drummers i do like the acoustic guitar singer drummer combo i think that's pretty cool yeah it, it works great if you can if you can get a good balance you know i i have a very heavy uh bottom end mix on my guitar so it sort of cuts through a bit you know i'm, I'm very much a rhythm player yeah so i i sort of boost and it's got a pretty i got a really hot pickup in the acoustics so it um i can push the gain a fair bit on it and sort of cut through with the drums and i reckon it sounds great nice you had a um i want to say her name was maddie is that right the female bass yep. player yep. you're working with her or uh no i haven't seen maddie for for years she's um based down in uh somewhere near melbourne i think so oh okay she's like um, she's around here. yeah yes yeah, so, yep. Both of both of the musicians in the Thieves um, that I did that tour with uh, were were from well, Maddie was from Werribee and and uh, Mops is from Geelong because because I was spending a lot of time down in Melbourne with with Angel and Jellyfish that's uh, 
sort of where we kicked the tour off from. Yeah, it started, it was going to be uh, 12 months, it was going to be a year on the road, which it got pushed out to 15 months uh, just because of demand for more shows. And Good. That's I think what we you want. 200 and 280 shows, I think, in the 15 months and about 165,000 Ks in a van around the country. So, <laughs> which, uh, yeah, it was... It was it was epic. It was a uh, it was a very smelly van by the end of it. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> and poor old poor old Maddie did most of the trip in the back with putting up with us two stinky bastards. Oh, <laughs> poor girl. <laughs> oh, it was great. You know, she was pretty much fresh out of high school at the time. I think she was uh, she was eighteen, and um, you know that was her first kind of uh, live experience. I think so. To to be able to get you know straight out of that and go on the road for that long, uh, it's a pretty Pretty crazy oh, no, experience. Right. With an Australian Isle, mm. no less. <laughs> if you could go back and do it, do that again, I mean, obviously you'd mm-hmm. say yes, but would there be anything you'd change? Like that whole... Uh, with, with the Idol thing, you mean? Yeah, like, I mean, I, I feel like not with that Sony BMG contract that you mentioned, like there was a fair bit mm-hmm. of control that they exerted over you. Oh, definitely. You know, it's um, why I ended up saying no to the contract uh, was because they, they produce an album for you uh, and print X amount of copies, and, and it leaves you about uh, 80 to 100 grand in debt. So you physically don't have to pay that debt back, but you won't make any money at all until that's paid back to Sony. Um, so, you know, in the case of like um, Casey Donovan, if the album doesn't do well, you never make the money back. You know, so um, I remember Dennis Hanlon saying uh, once that he had a, a storage container with about 250,000 Casey Donovan CDs in it. Fuck. You know, so, yeah, yeah. So that's the thing is she she just never recouped. Yeah. So um, you get kicked off the label. Same thing happened with Lee Harding. You know, even though he had a, a number one single, um, he just couldn't recoup the actual album costs and, you know, the costs of doing three or four film clips and all that sort of stuff as well. It all, all goes into it. It's done big production, so it costs money. Yeah, so that's that's why I I went independent. You know, I um I had more control over what was happening. Uh, I could push my ideas through for writing and stuff like that. You know, I could co-write with people that I wanted to write with, uh, not just the you know Sony has a very um, clicky niche of people that they have in their writing department and that sort of stuff, and they don't like to work outside of that those people pretty much. Granted, those people have a good formula for writing pop songs. But that wasn't really the direction I wanted to go in. So. That's not you. No, no, no. I, I think I would have. Um, it would have felt very sort of, uh, you know, not genuine if I was putting out that sort of product. You know, like regardless whether it would have made money or not, but I think it would have. You know, I would have hated myself for putting out some bloody crappy pop songs. <laughs> Imagine going out night after night and playing playing a song that your heart's not in. Exactly. Exactly. It had just. It would be. Yeah, absolutely horrible. Like, um, you know, as I said, from that tour, at least I could go out, play songs that I was proud of writing, you know, proud of recording that uh, I had input. I had input in. You know, I I did a lot of the writing on those albums with with Mike Stangel, who um, both of us just had a, a fairly similar sort of music style, and mm. and it worked really well. Did you ever work with any besides Kachina any of the other Born guys? Uh, well, Wayne, obviously. Well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, but mainly Steve. Steve and I uh, did a lot of shows as an acoustic duo uh, around Melbourne or around all of Victoria, pretty much. Yeah, so, uh, but yeah, mainly Steve. I And then anytime I was down, 
that way to do shows, I would I would use Steve as uh, as one of my musos just because he's a bloody brilliant guitarist, you know, and he can pretty much get on stage with you and, and nail stuff without rehearsal, pretty much. So, yeah. Great hired gun for that. Just step in and step up and nail it. He certainly is. Yeah. He um he he always was just super reliable. That's uh you know, and he, he just has these quirks about him too that I absolutely love. <laughs> I love the, <laughs> yeah, we have, we've had some very late night strange chats, me and Pacino. Oh but, uh, man, oh. could I tell you some stories? <laughs> during that, yeah. during that period, that whole period, um, like from the time you were over at my place rehearsing with him, me and him were inseparable. We were like every night we were going to the gym or trivia and then back to our place. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I'd be working, I'd have to get up at seven, but he wouldn't. Yeah. Be. Yeah. He would leave until fucking one or two in the morning because we were just talking. <laughs> and um, he'd probably go, probably go from yours and drive down to Geelong and hang with Al Kelly till five in the morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't don't think Steve liked to be home for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I haven't seen that cat for so long. Yeah, it's been a while for myself too, actually. Um, he's all he's married now, and I know right? that yeah. whole thing. He's just yeah. down the road. He's just down in in. Um, just out of Geelong he's not too far away from me but you know life gets in the way because he wouldn't have Facebook <laughs> no no that's not a Steve thing <laughs> no, that's, that's not a Steve thing uh, <laughs> I think he's he must be doing a fair bit of um tutoring and I guess I know he's still doing a bit with um Stangel whenever he plays live yeah yeah well look he's an unreal player and has an incredible knowledge um, about music, you know, uh, modally and, and that sort of stuff. He he taught me how to solo on a guitar, pretty much, or how to improvise uh, yep. within a modal a modal key, you know, and, mm. and broke it down in a way that that I could really sort of understand. He's he's got a pretty special brain in his head, that voice. Oh fuck yeah, yeah, and he he, he can well he even explain things to me because I'm like drummer, but um, <laughs> I, I picked up the guitar there briefly and he showed me a few things and it just makes sense. So. Yeah. What's next, man? What what's when all this shit's over and we can get back out? What's your plans? Ah, uh, well, just straight back to gigging as soon as I can, pretty much. Um, you know, the live performance has always been the thing I I really love and and uh, and that I do well at. You know, I'm a I'm a good live musician. It's uh, you know, well, you kind of you have to be just to be able to survive in the industry. It's um, yeah. You know, I, I sort of on average have a good sort of three gigs a week that I'll be doing in different places every week. And, uh, you know, my agents keep me booked fairly, you know, four to five months in advance. So I know what's coming in yep. and, uh, you know, and can sort of fill the gaps up as soon as I can pretty much. I'll try and, you know, be back out on the road and playing. Yep. And yeah, bits of recording and um, hopefully when the gym opens again, I'll be able to get back in for some roles and do a bit more jujitsu as well. So yeah, um, well that's, that's yeah. all over for the time being too isn't it yeah it certainly is so um that yeah that that all finished about the same time as the gigs did so mate that's that's, uh, too, that's too close contact for me at the best of times let alone. <laughs> yeah you sort of uh, have to have to get used to being comfortable in very uncomfortable positions <laughs> <laughs> but you know if you don't mind rolling around on the ground with sweaty men it's a <laughs> hard pass for me, hard pass. But hey, <laughs> whatever floats your boat, Dan, I'm not judging. No, you're not a man you've had a man, mate. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, man, that's fucking awesome. Um, 
hope it's all over sooner than later so everyone can just get back to playing because it's got to be affecting a lot of musos mental health because i think you need it oh definitely it's it's a lot of musicians are fairly reclusive people you know so uh, our main form of social interaction is is being on stage and is talking yeah. to the crowd and, and that sort of stuff, which you really do start to realise once it's taken away. Yeah. Um, you know, so that that's one thing I've sort of struggled with a little bit. You know, I've, you know, had the the odd mate here and there around recently since we've been allowed to, um, but you know, it's just that that social interaction with people is um, it, it can be really damaging to to people who. You know, a lot of people struggle with, um, you know, mental health issues and that sort of stuff at the best of times. So when we get a, a really trying time such as this, uh, I think uh, a lot of people are going to be finding it hard to deal with. And strangely enough, artists and musicians are, are more so than some others. Yeah, well, it, I think it takes to, you, you have to be a little bit, um, little bit loopy to, yeah. to, <laughs> to pursue a career in music anyway. Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> so look mate if you, soon you can get out the better it is and um if you ever want to do a tour down this way again um, mm. please do and you can rehearse on the porch sounds great bud look forward to it good talking to you cheers scotty stay in touch dan will do mate see, see you bro, bro. bye